Welcome to the So Much More Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Amy. We've been married for almost 24 years. We have four kids. We live in the Dominican Republic. We're missionaries. We're both educators, have pastored together. And love mentoring others. Oh, and we love sharing our stories. Join us for this real talk about how to get more out of this thing called life. Welcome to episode seven of the So Much More podcast. Don't you just love that music? It just kind of gets you like in the mood for adventure. I'm telling you, it's it's the best. And we're continuing our series called Missionaries of the Caribbean, Adventures in Obedience. We have enjoyed this so far. Uh, if you listen to the last episode, we shared kind of our story of where we have been and how we ended up here this week. I'm so excited to introduce you to our friend Jackie Camacho. Jackie is a fellow missionary with us here in the DR. Uh, She's going to tell you a bit of her story, uh, but just as a way of introduction for her, she is from Missouri City, Texas, which is where we met her at church. Friends there for several years before we ended up here. Jackie has two adult children, Amber, who's 27, a Texas A&M graduate, and Anthony, who's 20, who will be starting his junior year there this fall. Great, great young people. Uh, Jackie talks about them in her story, uh, just having raised them and, and being their mom. They're awesome, awesome kids. Jackie has spent 26 years in the mortgage industry as a vice president of mortgage lending. That's what she was doing when we met her. Uh, we hired her here at Macarios in September of 2018, and she moved here to the island in March of 2019. Her job here with us, she is the host of our group ministry. So we have teams that come throughout the year, and we have a home that we host them in that sleeps like 50 people. And so Jackie's in charge of the house. Jackie is our lead host and makes sure that those teams are well taken care of, well fed. They get where they're supposed to get. They're healthy, happy, and excited to be serving. So with that, we want to welcome on our friend Jackie. Welcome, Jackie. I'm so excited to be able to share your story with everyone. I just want people to know that um, Jackie is the only other missionary on the field who has left big kids at home. And so that's been really encouraging for us to have someone else who is kind of on that same journey with us. And we knew Jackie before we arrived. So we've known Jackie for a few years. So welcome, Jackie. Hello. Hello. Hey. How you doing? Hey, hey. I'm doing great. Hey, so what listeners may not know is Jackie's actually our neighbor. She just moved down the street a couple of houses away, but we're recording this in the evening because we're still on a curfew here, and so it would have been easy to have this interview in person, but in order to get it done when our kids are quiet in the evening, we have to do it remotely because Jackie can't. Uh, well, she she probably could venture out, but we don't want her to go to jail. So uh, Dominican jail may not be for you. Yeah, probably not. Okay, Jackie, we're going to jump right in. I just want you to kind of tell everyone how you ended up being a missionary living in the Dominican Republic. Okay, so kind of long, crazy story, but 
Yeah, I worked in corporate America for many, many years in the mortgage industry. And the busiest time of the year or season for me was during the summer. Um, and as most of you probably know, most mission trips, just general mission trips, are done during the summer. And my oldest daughter always went on a mission trip throughout her middle school and high school years and then on into her college years. And she would always say, Mom, you really need to go. And I would always say, oh, Amber, I'm so busy, you know, life, and I have to pay the bills and all those other things. But our pastor always, always talked about the fact that everybody should go on missions or go overseas to do a mission trip at least one time in your life. And that it would truly change your life. And so when Amber was graduating from Texas A&M, um, my gift to her was I would go on a mission trip with her. So that year, her and I went to Nicaragua. And just like our pastor had preached, it was life-changing for me. And so after that experience, I told myself, what is a week? Like, if you can't give up one week to serve the Lord, then... Yeah, you need to probably rethink things. So I did. I committed to doing that. And so each year after that, I would go on a trip, sometimes with the kids, sometimes without. Um, but we came to the DR. Scott Ditton actually was our campus pastor several years ago. And the mission trip was to come here. It was a family trip. Um, my son, Anthony, had never gone on a mission trip at that point, up until that point. And so we chose to come here. And again, like all the others, it was life-changing. But here in the DR, it was just different, right? So everybody says they have different experiences. God talks to them in a different way. And throughout that week, God just really tugged on my heart. And I just would say crazy things to my kids, like, what would y'all think if I moved to the DR? I'd be like, oh, gosh, like, I would love to live here one day. And I just really felt God tugging on my heart in a different way. So I go back to Houston, back to life and just do life. But the next year, as we started as a family to talk about mission trips, Anthony wanted to come back to the DR. Amber felt like she was being called that year to go to um, Cuba. Um, and I was chose to stay away from the DR, of course, because at this point I was a little <laughs> scared of the DR. What was so scary? Um, <laughs> Yeah, because God was talking to me in a crazy way when I came. Uh, this, so, this Scott Denton, you guy, this guy you mentioned, I think I might know him. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're going to say he's awesome. Yeah, that's um, a great thing. Thank you. <laughs> and so, yeah, that year I led a team um, with our church, but also with Living Water to El Salvador. And I believe Scott didn't and Anthony Camacho even maybe have called me when I was in El Salvador because they actually, you guys were actually here in the DR the same week that I went to El Salvador. That's right. Um, I remember. And so, yeah. And so, again, my kid came back from this trip all excited, loves the DR. My kids are really wildly passionate about the DR as well. And then the next year we start talking about missions and I had committed to lead a team to Honduras. But then I get a phone call from Scott Denton, and he says, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I really would like for you to lead our team to the DR this year. And I said, you know I'm going to Honduras. And he says, 
yeah, yeah, I know. But Amy and I are going to go early this year. We're going to spend a little bit more time in the DR. And you already know how it's all done. You know a lot of people on the team that are going. So, yeah, I think it'd be great if you traveled with them and got them there safely. Hey, and I'm like, mm. that was that was a testimony to your leadership mm. and your organizational <laughs> skill. Like there wasn't. Yeah, I needed to make sure they got here. And so you thank you for leading the trip because, well, that's part of your story. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but, you know, continue on. But it was meant to be. Yeah. So Scott just let the cat out of the bag. So, you know, we ended that conversation with, well, will you at least agree to pray about it? You know, as all pastors say to you when they that's really want right. you to do something. <laughs> They're like, pray about it and then agree with me. Uh-huh. Let me lay the guilt on. Anyway, <laughs> so it worked. It worked. And I love him for it. However, this time on the flight here to the DR, I prayed and I prayed a lot. And I just told God, like, look, you know how hard headed I am and you know how stubborn I am. And ministry is also very foreign to me. And I don't even know what that would look like or how I could even make that happen. But if this is something that you really are calling me to do, you need to be clear and very loud and I will listen. And so I really just landed that year here in the DR and surrendered it all and spent that week with an open mind as to what was it that God was really wanting from me or what did I think God was really wanting from me? Because I don't know about you guys, but there's definitely been lots of times in my life that I'm like, is God speaking to me or is this something I want to hear? Or is God speaking to me and, oh, no way, this could not be what he really wants me to do because that's some craziness. So, yeah, um, that week I knew very clearly that God was calling me to work and to serve here in the DR with the Armacarius organization Um, And that was clear to me. And that's all I knew that was clear. All I knew was that it was clear that he was calling me here. I didn't know when. I didn't know how. I didn't know what that would look like or if it was even possible. But I left here that year knowing that's what God wanted for me. So I went back to Houston and started having conversations with people and praying about it. And I met with Scott Denton. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, just started talking through what would it look like for me to changing my life completely, um, leaving the career of mortgage lending of 26 years and transferring into ministry and coming to work for Macarios here in the DR as a full-time missionary. And so it was a big, big change in my life for sure. And you sold your house. Everything you own, pretty much. I mean, you said all you ended up left were a few suitcases and a few boxes. How was that experience of selling everything you have? So, yeah, it was was very interesting to say the least. So my, my transition was very quick. At the time, I didn't know how quick it really was. But now after living and doing life with other missionaries and just the training process and being around other organizations and other other ministries and missionaries and like their prep time and how long it took them to get overseas and into the field, um, mine went very quickly. And I do remember as I thought back on things like, wow, like God carried me through it very fast. So from the time I made the decision... I guess I should give a little bit more of a backstory. 
I knew before I came on that trip that I was going to be making some changes in my life because I had been a single mom. I am a single mom, been a single mom for roughly 15 years, I guess, at that point. Um, my youngest was graduating from high school. Amber had already graduated from college and was out living on her own. And I lived in Missouri City in our home for 10 years, and I loved our home, but it was too big for me. I didn't need a big two-story house, and I needed a downsize. My thoughts were I was going to move more into the city because I lived out in the suburbs. And yeah, I was going to live life as just a single woman in the city, and it was going to look different for me. So my house was already on the market. So when I get back, I start the process. And the day that I actually put pencil to paper, or really with technology computers this day and time, <laughs> um, filled out the application online, I got a contract on my house. And not only did I get a contract on my house, I got two contracts on my house. And then those two guys went into like a bidding war. Um, and so they actually paid more for my house than what my house was on the market for. Wow. And so I was like, whoa, that's fast. And then... I said, nope, I'm going to sit back. I'm not going to do anything to my house until I for sure know that everything's a go. Because obviously working in the mortgage industry for 26 years, I know there's lots of things that can happen <laughs> in the process of buying and selling a home. But everything went smoothly. The contract came in. The home inspections were done. They asked me to do some minimal repairs. The appraisal happened. The value was there. And then I was about three weeks out from having to be out of my home and I had done nothing. So I called a girlfriend and I said, Hey, I need a favor. I need you to come into my house and I need you to put a price on every single thing I have. That's reasonable, but not just garage sale price. Cause I'm selling everything. And she was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm making some big changes in my life. And I want to downsize and change, but I'm going to live with my mom for a little bit because I'm not really sure what all that's going to look like because I really didn't want everybody to know what I was doing quite yet. And so, yeah, she came in, she put a price tag on everything. She started putting things online and within four days, everything in my house was gone, including the bed I was sleeping in. Wow. So yeah, I went to Walmart and I bought a blow up mattress and I spent the next two weeks, roughly a little over two weeks just wrapping up things like legal things, paperwork, documents. And so I sold my house on September 30th of 2018 and drove away. And I worked a side job that night. And when I got off work, I got hit by a drunk driver. And now my car is totaled. So, yeah, September 30th, I pretty much was homeless. I had sold everything and now I didn't have a car. And I was like, okay, God, now you're really moving quickly. I wasn't injured. I walked away fine. I just didn't have a car. So it was just really a big inconvenience for me. But it for sure simplified me getting rid of my car. <laughs> and so, yeah, I then transitioned to living with my mom while I fundraised and raised the money that I needed and prepared and wrapped up my mortgage career and basically, I didn't retire from that, but I'm going to say retired from that. <laughs> Don't see anything in my future of me going back to that. And then, yeah, I, after the first of the year, I went off to training to become a full-time missionary. And in March of last year, 
I moved here to the DR where I currently live and do life as a full-time missionary. So one of the things, Jackie, you mentioned in your story was on that trip back down to the DR, which would have been in summer of 2018, Mm -hmm. when you were supposed to be somewhere else, but you were leading the trip here. And you said that you were on the plane praying a lot and really kind of came to a point of surrender with the Lord and, and knew then coming into the trip that at least you had an openness sort of to whatever he wanted you to do. So thinking about that moment, what does it mean for you? We've been talking about this idea of obedience, kind of these steps along the way in our journey. So what does it mean for you when I say, hey, what does obedience look like in your life? What does that mean to you? So to me, being obedient is, is very black and white. It's doing what you've been asked to do. And so, yeah, the mom in me is very quick to be like, hey, do what I say. This is exactly what I told you to do. But sometimes for me, that's not quite so easy (laughs) because the one that I look up to is Jesus or God. And when he's asking me to do things, there's times in my life that I'm like, "Mm, I'm not so sure that's what I want to do. Because, you know, sometimes for many, many years or even still now, I think I know what's best because I kind of try to like control things. And so for me to actually surrender my life and to be obedient is a very challenging thing for me, but it's also so rewarding. Well, I was going to say, because even though you're saying it's challenging I mean, and that there have been times where you're like, yep, not going to do that. The truth is, is that you, I mean, your story is just spilled from, I mean, even beyond just moving here and being a missionary, your story is filled of you being obedient. And so I'm just curious, like, how have you seen those times when you are obedient and you know it, like, you know, God's telling you to do something and you do it. How have you seen how that changes your relationship with Jesus, your walk with Jesus? How has obedience in your walk, like, what does that look like together? Through my life, as I've walked with the Lord and tried to be obedient. Well, if I'm honest, my walk with the Lord hasn't always been about being obedient. I walked with the Lord and kind of did things my way. Mm-hmm. And as I grew older and I grew wiser and I surrounded myself with wise people and wise women to talk truth into me, I realized that truly, if you're walking with the Lord, you have to be obedient. As hard as it is, or sometimes it's easy. Actually, it's sometimes Like, hey, I know the Lord's asking me to do this. And so it gives me the freedom to say to others, like, no, this is what I know I'm supposed to be doing. And I do it. But I will say the end results for me time and time again, even when I'm stubborn or I don't want to hear or do what God's asking me to do, it's really free. A big example of that for me is just what you asked me a little bit ago was about selling my home, selling all of my things, all those, you know, material things that you think you need because that's what makes you happy. Right. Really when, really when all of that stuff was gone and all of my bills were paid and I was debt free, it was such a freeing time for me. And I was like, wow, as hard as it is and or as hard as I thought it was going to be to get rid of all of those things because my life was changing in such a drastic way, I was freed. 
And so the reward that came behind it was just really amazing. Um, and so again, as I've walked through my life um, and been obedient time and time again, I've been rewarded with like the freedom of just following the Lord and being obedient and doing what he's asked me to do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's encouraging to people when they hear your story and when they're walking and we all struggle with obedience or, or choosing not to obey, just to be reminded through other people's stories that the reward sometimes isn't about material blessing or prestige or lots of money. The, the reward is oftentimes just the freedom and knowing that that you're in a good place, that you're at peace. I think that's so encouraging. So another thing I was thinking about is that you're, you are a lot like Scott and I, and that, I mean, we're not like fresh out of college and coming over here at 20-something. You had this whole life, and then your life took a pivot, and then you're a missionary, that everything changed. And I'm just curious as to that that pivot from one thing to another. First of all, how was that for you? But then how did your kids react to that? How did your family and friends react to that? Oh, that's a loaded question. I like so, loaded questions. Yeah, I know. You like setting me up for lots of, <laughs> for lots of things. Um, so, yes, when I, if I'm honest again, when... I made the decision. The decision was not made without Amber and Anthony being involved a hundred percent in the decision making. Um, as I look, as I mentioned before, I've been a single mom for many, many years, and the three of us are just a pack. Um, they're my best friends. Um, I love them more than life, and all the years of raising them, they were involved. And a lot of the decision-making, even though I was the parent and I obviously had the final word, I pretty much discussed all things, all big decisions that pertain to our household with them because I just didn't want to live a life of secrets. That's a whole nother topic. But I was raised in a family that had lots of secrets and I was determined that my kids weren't going to be left in the dark. Mm -hmm. So again, as you know, they've come here and done mission trips here. And they're wildly obsessed with the Dominicans and the Dominican culture. And they just love every single thing about the DR. So the decision was easy where they were concerned because they want me to live here because they want to come here and they want to come here often. <laughs> Excuse but everybody visit. else besides them was not quite so easy. Were they surprised? Um, for, of course, the Dentons were easy. Um, I was. I wasn't surprised that people would say to me, are you crazy? You're going to leave, you're going to leave your kids in the States and you're going to move overseas by yourself. I wasn't surprised by the people that were negative and told me it would never work. But one thing I was really surprised about were the amount of people that were genuinely sad I wasn't expecting for people to be sad that I was leaving. Like, because I wasn't like, you know, dying or moving away forever. Like in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, I'll work overseas and travel back and forth and see everybody probably as much as I see them anyway. Right. Right. But 
for other people, when I said I was moving overseas, it was almost as if like I was moving away and never coming back. And so I was just really, really surprised by the amount of people in my life that were truly affected by my decision and were genuinely sad. I wasn't expecting that. Well, that, that tells you that, you know, people love you and probably liked you a lot more than you thought they did because they were going to be sad to see you go. And I remember you telling me the day you landed. I happened to be here. We hadn't moved here yet, but I was here uh, helping host a team and welcomed you at the airport, and you, you looked exhausted. And I remember you telling me, I'm, I didn't sleep last night. Uh, I'm exhausted. You know, you had friends, close friends and family up until, you know, wee hours of the morning uh, just trying to squeeze in one last hug and goodbye and just the emotional, the weight you felt making that final, you know, that last night there in the States before you got on the airplane. So it's, it's a bittersweet, right? I mean, it's like, wow, I have so many great people in my life who love me, but at the same time, it's sad because it's sadder than you certainly expected it to be. But that's a testimony Most definitely. Yeah, to the, the difference you've made. You said one thing earlier, and I thought it was interesting because having raised two kids uh, primarily on your own, and, and, you know, we know your kids, they're fantastic kids. And so those you're, kids you're, are adults. Let's be. Oh, that's true. They're I adults. I mean, they're your kids, but they're your adult children, but they're awesome. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. And so, and you're, you know, you're kind of a no-nonsense mom from what I can gather. I didn't see you raising them, but I just see you with them now and know you. So demanding obedience from kids. It's one thing, right, to say, well, I'm the parent, you're the child, do what I say, blah, 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 blah. And then when you, you know, you preach that for 20-something years to your own children and expect nothing less than that, but then you're now in a position where, you're having to do that in your relationship with the Lord. And uh, what did you kind of mentioned this, but what did it teach you about yourself when you got to the point of saying, okay, I'm going to take this step and I'm going to be obedient, even though I may not want to do it. Like compare that a little bit with what you expected from your kids and then in turn what, what the Lord's expecting from us. Yeah, so you nailed that one for sure. Um, Two quotes that I live by all these years raising the kids was, I would say what I meant and I meant what I said. And I live by example. And I fell short often, but every time I would fall short, I would tell them that I was not a perfect person and I would apologize for falling short. But every day I would get back up out of bed, get dressed and be the best person that I could be because I wanted them both to be the best people that they could be. Um, but, yeah, I am a pretty no nonsense mom. They'll both tell you that for sure. Yeah, they have, um, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm just but kidding. The, <laughs> oh, but, I'm sure but we have. know it. We know it about you. Um, so the biggest thing as I thought over and over again, as you just threw the question at me, is is trust. I've had to learn to trust more than I ever have in my entire life. And, and I'm going to go ahead and say, y'all know my whole story and my story's been no walk in the park by any means. And I've been through some pretty scary things in my life. And this is probably one of the scariest things because it isn't about me or what I can control. It's about a hundred percent trusting in the Lord. Mm. I had to trust that the Lord was calling me here. 
to serve him. And I had to trust that he's going to keep me safe while I'm here. I had to trust that he's going to keep my kids safe in the States. And I just had to, I have to, every single day, I have to remind myself that I have to trust him and give it all to him and that he's in control of everything. Yeah. And you, like us, we, we are living right now. I mean, like as we're recording this, it's during the whole coronavirus time. And when things still seem uncertain, but certainly in the beginning, and we were watching what was happening in the States and we, we both had our kids there and, and knowing that we had zero control over what was happening to them or their experience. And we were just trying to encourage and support them from afar. I mean, that's hard. And then you pile on top of that, just the experience of you learning Spanish, um, learning your job here, learning and accumulating a new community of both Americans and Dominicans. And all those things have been rewarding, but they've been definitely difficult as well. So as you have gone through difficult times here on the field and leading up to being here, but certainly while we've lived here, what things, when things have been the hardest, what is it that you just cling to in order to know that it's going to be okay? The biggest thing that I cling to, which is something I often say to my kids as well, is yeah, when things are really hard, like right now during this pandemic, are just in genuinely hard, like I had a hard day at work, or I've seen hard things in our community, or whatever it may be, or I'm, I'm being asked to do hard things, because as you know, I'm a number nine, and I'm a huge introvert, and I really don't care that anybody ever look at me, or for me to ever be the center of attention, but here in the DR, as an American missionary, you're the center yeah, of attention I'm a lot, aren't you? I'm the center of attention a lot. <laughs> it was really uncomfortable for me. But I just remind myself that if I'm not uncomfortable and if I'm not doing hard things, I'm not growing as a person. And even though, yeah, I'm an adult, um, I'm a lot older than most people here with our organization serving the Lord, the Americans. And my kids are pretty much grown and adults and doing their life back in the States. Like, I still want to be the best person that I can be. And I've got a lot to learn, which means I need to be uncomfortable a lot. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, all right. Quick answers on these questions. What has been the most difficult thing and what has been the most rewarding thing about living here in the Dominican Republic, which is a developing country? Certainly lots of challenges and things, but for you, most difficult and most rewarding. So the most difficult is living on the field. Like in my mind, I would say like the front lines of ministry. You see a lot. Um, you experience hard things often, probably daily here in the DR. Learning the language, learning the culture so that I don't say crazy American things. So I don't offend somebody or hurt somebody is really challenging for me and difficult at times just because when I translate English words into Spanish words, sometimes they don't quite translate like they should. <laughs> so really just on a daily basis, being very mindful that I have the right words and that I speak the right words and I challenge myself just to learn the language and learn the culture. It's hard, but yet so rewarding because there's days that I understand all the Spanish words that somebody says to me. And then I'm like, 
Yay! Progress! <laughs> Isn't that a cool feeling? Like you, you're listening to something, you're like, wait a second, they're speaking Spanish, <laughs> and I actually have a some clue of what they're telling me. That's a cool feeling. It is. It's so amazing. And so then again, I remind myself, it's baby steps. When you're uncomfortable and you don't understand, and then there's the next day, you're very comfortable because you understand everything. It's like, woohoo, victory. <laughs> it is victory. It's funny, all those little moments become huge where you're like, just want to have a dance party. You're like, it's such a success. It's like when... It's like a toddler learning to walk and everyone claps. It's like we have all these little moments and you're just like, oh, my gosh, look at me. It's so fun and scary all at the same time. Um, so what has a Dominican or a Haitian taught you while you've been living here that is something that changed you or changed your perspective in a way that you know that when you go back, you'll be changed for the better because of it? Wow. So huh, they've taught me a lot. But I will say one of the things that makes me really uncomfortable is the culture here in general is just very bold and they're very confident people. And so I find myself as I journal often, the word confidence comes up for me because I know it's a shocker to y'all, but I'm not <laughs> the most confident person in this world. And I struggle with that. Confidence is something I struggle with. And so, yeah, the introvert in me, I struggle with being bold. I struggle with being confident. And even though there's lots of things culturally that are very different than the American way, I just love their boldness. And so I challenge myself to become more bold and to become more confident because I'm quick to say negative things about myself. And I just... I don't want to do that. I want to be confident and bold. I think it's because, now this is your friend talking. I think it's because you don't truly see yourself the way like I see you. So like I've experienced you and seen you at work and doing ministry and doing life with me. And I would be like, oh, if she just knew how amazing all those things were, you would be more confident and bold. So my job is just to tell you, all the time how awesome you are. <laughs> hey, it's good to have somebody like that in your life. You know, Again, you need I told y'all earlier, that's why I have to surround myself with good, smart people <laughs> so that they can talk good things into me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, we're here for you, you know, whatever, whenever you need it. Just let us know. The boldness thing is funny. I, you know, I'm sure there's a fine line there between boldness and uh, what's the other term, blunt. like blunt or rude maybe even. You're right, there, there's a boldness. There's like this, hey, we're just going to say what's there, what's happening, what we see, just call it like it is. I remember one of the times I came down on a trip, I was sitting in one of the car, uh, one of the, a rental car and pulled up on the street next to one of our local staff who I had gotten to know a little bit. And I hadn't seen them in a few months. And so I rolled down the window. I'm like, hey, how are you? And they reached in and patted me on the belly. They're like, oh, Scott, you're looking good. I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow. Like my dad bod showing. And and they had no, he, yeah, this guy had no problem pointing it out. I was like, oh. And then I felt really bad about myself. And later somebody's like, no, that's a good thing. It's like you're healthy. I'm like, okay, great. Then I'm really, really healthy. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, they they definitely like when you put on a few pounds around here. And they like to tell you, 
And tell you. Yeah, well, it's good. Honesty can be good sometimes. All right, favorite thing about living here? Favorite thing about living here? Well, there's more than one. Of course, I love Dominican coffee. And oh my golly, the juices here. It's just so good. Oh, between the coffee and the juices, they're amazing. But Jack, you weren't you weren't really a coffee drinker before you got here, right? Nor a juice drinker, if I'm honest. <laughs> but yes, I love coffee and juice. I have been definitely won over by those two things. But I will probably say my favorite thing about the DR living in the Caribbean is and I'm not really a car person either, but I love riding in the car or driving the roads, the scenery here, the mountains, the oceans, the trees, just the Caribbean culture is just absolutely beautiful to me. Like every single time I'm in my car or I make a trip or I go somewhere, like even when we turn into our subdivision here, like I love the view every single time I turn in to where we live. It's beautiful. Um, I, by the I, way, it's amazing. Yeah, I will. I'll put this out there. When we moved here, actually, the summer before we all, I think you were already here. We had, we were visiting, but uh, Jackie and I went in together and bought a moto, which is like a little scooter. So it's not. Don't think like a Harley. Think of like a, <laughs> a Honda scooter. Uh, it's not super impressive, but it's tons of fun. And Jackie has yet to learn to drive it. Really, she's tried, but. I'm telling you, Jackie, if you take the moto out down some of these roads back here, you're going you're going slow enough to not miss. You're going slow uh, enough because it doesn't it, go very fast. It doesn't fast. go super fast. But there are some amazing views just right here in our neighborhood that I've never seen until I was on my moto slow enough. So anyway, I'll have to, we'll have to take you and show you. But you're right. It's beautiful. You look one way, there's a mountain. You look the other way, there's the blue ocean. Fantastic. All right. What's next? So you're Favorite things we've got. Now, what is it, no matter how amazing it is living here, what is it that you, other than your children, so don't say your kids, don't say your family, what is it you miss the most from the States? Oh, yeah. So the biggest thing for me, it's going to be a comfort, which that's probably what it shouldn't be. But I'll say the biggest comfort from the States that I miss is hot baths. However, I'm very happy to say I do have hot water in my apartment because I lived for a year without hot water. You lived a year uh, with almost no water, like inconsistent water. So you went from well, inconsistent water to consistent and it's hot. That's true. That's true. That's to be fair. I did have some pretty serious water issues in my first apartment. So that's been solved with my new apartment. Um, water always and hot water for showers at night. And that's been a game changer for me. But yeah, I would say hot baths is something that I've always done my entire life. I just love the relaxation of a bath, but baths don't really exist in the apartments here. Um, I think some of the homes, like y'all's home probably has a I have a great there. big bathtub. It will take about five hours to fill it up, and then you'll run out of hot water from the water tank. But you are welcome <laughs> to come and take a lukewarm bath. <laughs> I want to just make sure that you know, Jackie, and I have told you, but I want to publicly get it in a recording. There'll be in existence forever and ever, but your being here has been the biggest blessing. Um, I think I'm going to cry. The biggest blessing for me personally, but for our family and you have 
been, when I knew that we were leaving our support system with Scotty, I will not lie. I think I'm, that was one of the biggest things, the biggest, oh my gosh, what are we doing? And everything's going to be me and there's not going to be anyone who gets her or understands her or is willing to step in. And you have done that with a smile on your face without us having to ask. And you have loved my girls very well. I do love them. Wow. And they love me well, which is so awesome because there's definitely been many hard days. And then I see Scotty and without a doubt, she always, always is excited to see me. It's no matter what the situation is. Even when she's had really bad days, she's always been excited to see me. Yeah. Um, and she brings me lots of joy. Um, yeah. Like, I always just remind myself of the of when Scott and Scotty came and picked me up at the airport and Scott told me that she was crying um, because she really didn't know what to think because I had gone home for the holidays and then I had been gone longer than expected and you guys had told her I was coming back sooner than I did. And then when they finally got to come pick me up, she didn't really know what to do with her emotions, but she was so excited to see me, but not near as excited as I was to see her because I was so happy to be back and to just be close in doing life, doing life with you guys. Um, and so, yeah, Scotty brings me lots and lots of joy. I love my quality time with Scotty. However, the pandemic has for sure interrupted that as well. One yeah. day it will return to normal, <laughs> whatever yeah. that yeah, looks like. <laughs> Yeah, that was a funny story because she we were standing there waiting for you, and then all of a sudden she's got tears, and she she didn't know, I don't know if she knew how to say why. She's just like, I'm crying, and I'm like, Well, why are you crying? I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> it's like I know why, but she couldn't articulate it. It was cute though. Okay, so the last thing, Jackie, how can people follow your journey? How can uh, people that might be listening to this support you in your ministry here in the Dominican Republic? What would you, where would you point people to, to jump on your support team or to follow your, your story? So, yeah, first and foremost, I would just say pray for me and pray for me often. And, yeah, just pray for Macarios and the Dentons and our journey here in the DR. And then Again, you you guys know I'm not the most techie girl in the world, but I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram, but I don't really do much on Instagram. I'm back. I'm going to be better. I hope to get better. And then, yeah, you can always find my link through the Macarios website as a missionary um, if you felt to follow my journey through financial means there on that website. And you have a like a newsletter that you send out every couple of months also. I do. I have a newsletter that I post out usually every two to three months. I'm not an every month person. Um, And I do post that newsletter on social media as well. But yes, if you would like to be on my specific email list, uh, I do occasionally send things out via email that I don't put out on social media. And so, yes, you could always just send me an instant message on social media and let me know that you want to be on my email distribution. And that would be another great way to follow me as well. Awesome. Hey, well, we'll encourage you guys listening to follow Jackie. We're going to put links to her support page and her Instagram, Facebook stuff, all of her social media on our show notes. So if you want to connect with Jackie, you can go to the show notes 
uh, reach her through there, and consider supporting her. There'll be a link there. You can uh, go on to the Macario site and choose Jackie as one of our missionaries. She would love to have you jump on as uh, a monthly supporter that helps keep her here long term. And uh, with that, just knowing that you're investing in a work that is is really changing lives and has well it began for Jackie by changing herself and getting her ready to come serve and now she's able to be here as part of the team to impact the lives of the the kids in the communities and the parents that we serve so help her out pray for her and uh, follow along with what God's doing in her life thank you Jackie so much for hanging out with us hope you enjoyed it I did. You guys are so awesome. Thanks for pushing me from my comfort zone. (laughs) (laughs) We're so glad that our friends listening get to hear your story. We, We think a lot of Jackie Camacho. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much, Jackie. It was such a great encouragement for us to hear her story again. Now, we know her story because we've, we've been friends with her, and we, we walked the journey with her for the most part to, to get her here. Uh, but I just wanted to point out a couple things she said. Uh, this Again, the idea of obedience, the theme of this, this series is the, the idea of these steps of obedience in life. We talked about in the interview that moment on that airplane as she was coming down here for a trip. But I, I go back even before that when she said some things about how just the little steps of coming on her first trip, watching her kids uh, ex- be excited and experience the trip, and then she went and served uh, in another place, and then she wasn't going to come back. She was going to go lead another trip, and she and I talked. And and just a little step of saying, hey, okay, I'm going to pray about this, God opening the door for her to lead our team that summer, which, again, led her to that plane ride, led her to the moment where she was able to surrender to say, all right, Lord, if this is what you want me to do. But she also mentioned something else. She mentioned those moments in her life where she didn't, where she obviously looking back can see those moments of disobedience. And it's something we all have. We've said this from the beginning. This is not a perfect, everyday, complete life of 100% obedience. It's a day-by-day surrendering to the work of the Spirit in our lives and trusting day-by-day as we grow in our faith that God has got it. And so she certainly mentioned those things. It's the same reasons you and I have when we don't obey what the Lord is saying. It's because we just don't want to do it, or it doesn't make sense, or we're afraid, or it doesn't match up with our plans. And she certainly experienced those. Um, We have to, you have to. That was just an encouragement to me and should be an encouragement to you as well that you still have a chance. That's right. We're big fans of Jackie Camacho. Um, Okay, so this week I have another challenge for you because here's the truth. We can tell you stories. We can share with you stories about individuals who are obedient and the and the things that they did and those obedient acts that led them here but it doesn't really mean anything if you don't do something with it right it's meant to encourage you to take steps towards obedience um okay so last week we asked you to create a timeline a timeline of your life and those times when you were obedient those times that you weren't obedient and to leave that timeline open this week it's something that Jackie said That leads me to the challenge I want to issue this week. Um, I want you guys to think about, just spend time journaling, praying, thinking through different ways in which you hear from God. I think that that phrase in general can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, right? Some people will say that they hear from God through reading 
the Bible, or perhaps through worship, or perhaps just being quiet. Perhaps it's through prayer or taking a walk or through other people, right? Through sermons or other stories. How is it that you most often hear from God? And once you've figured out, okay, I hear most from God in these ways. And then I want you to take a look at your, your rhythms, your daily practices. Are you creating opportunities for God to speak to you? If I hear from God through reading his word, let's say that's my primary way, but I don't have in my daily rhythm time for me to sit and read God's word, then I'm going to not be attuned to his voice. And then I'm going to be missing all those opportunities to obey him, to do what he wants to do. So first, I want you to figure out how do you most hear from God? And then I want you to look at your days. Are you creating opportunities? Are you doing the things that you need to do in order to hear from him so that you can also take steps of obedience? Well, hey, I hope the challenges will encourage you and by nature challenge you to think about and do some things that might be new to you, or maybe you need a refresh on those. We always love to hear from you. If you want to reach out, if you have any questions or feedback or any of this that we've talked about has just uh, encouraged you in some way, or if it's caused you to think in a new way, uh, reach out to us. You can always email us, scott at so much more.me. You can reach out to us through social media as well. We'd love to hear from you. And we can't wait for the next episode because we've got more of these interviews coming with folks that are here with us serving in the Dominican Republic. You're going to love them all. They're all different, but they're all going to be great, and they're going to encourage you greatly. So that's coming next time. May God use your steps of obedience to encourage other people this week. Have a great one. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, take care.